1116 SEN. This is the Flag Flyers for the American Australian Association, devoted to strengthening relations between the United States and Australia. Hello everyone and welcome to the Flag Flyers, the place where we profile and chat about all the Aussies find the flag for us in the US of A. I'm Christopher Tyler and alongside me, he is back from the States, Lucky Miller. What's going on, buddy? We need some sound effects. The champ is here or something. Whatever, something. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that's quite lame. Yes, I'm the back. The champ is here from uh, Let It Ride. From Let It Ride, yeah. No, I'm, uh, it's good to be back. I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing. I haven't slept yet. But, you uh, haven't slept since you got back. That's how committed you are. Well done. I've had quite a few coffees, um, and so I'm shaking. Uh, but uh, no, You're going to sleep well tonight. Happy to be back. Oh, I slept an awful lot on the plane because I was in the, oh, um, on the window seat. And I had a lovely couple that was next to me. So oh, you didn't get the spare seat next to you? No, no. Cause they, I, this oh. is one of the first times I actually haven't been right up the back. Um, but right at the back is actually the best place to sit because... Um, no one else wants to be up the back, so then you get the spare seats around you? Is that what I'm going to say? That and the food galley is right there. So ah. especially on Qantas, they do this awesome thing where they... Well, I'm not sure if it's like meant to be designed this way. But you can go up there and like you can just open up the fridge and grab as many drinks out of there as you want and like they have self service. Self service and even the snacks what? like um they had all those Carmen's muesli bars. Like and just in these trays and you go and you just stock it yourself. And like man, I play out through those. Um they had Kit Kats, like endless Kit Kats. Um How many they... drinks did you have on the plane? Alcoholic. Is that why you slept so well? No, no. I slept so well because I had no choice. I was like, I don't... Like, there was this nice couple beside me and they just came back from their eight-week holiday and I didn't want to disrupt them by climbing all over them. So I just, like, tried to power through. I ended up probably... Yeah, you can't can't have beers if you don't want to distract the people (laughs) next to you. That is not a good idea. Yeah, no. And plus I was by myself. I was like, oh, who am I going to get smashed with? No one, so... What about movies? Uh, Movies, movies, movies. I watched... um, I did watch a movie. Uh, My memories. One? Well, One. I was sleeping most of the time. You know how many movies I average going to and from the States? I would watch f- five on average. Congratulations, Chris. One? What do you do? Sleep. I was sleeping. The, the whole time. I know. I watched some TV shows. Um, oh, TV, right. This seems like a really great intro, by the way, for, for uh, sports. Uh, That's right. We'll, we'll let everyone know what's coming up soon, but uh, I, just, I well, haven't seen you in so know, long. Do you, do you want to know about my trip? And no one's heard from you Do you want to know so about long. my trip, maybe, as opposed to what I actually watched movie-wise on the Qantas We're going to get to that. Yeah, righto. Well, actually, just to fill you in, actually, Chris, on the sports-specific aspect of my trip, <laughs> uh, the first part of it was actually the NCAAs for rowing up in Sacramento. Um, Sacramento. A lot of Aussies there. A, a ton of Aussies and all winners. Um, Sacramento as an area, um, it's like meant to be like it's like the capital of California. It's like a government hub. To be honest, quite a boring place. Um, as is honest. LA and and I'm like I feel sorry for the Kings that have to play there. I mean, boring. <laughs> like at least bigger city. But uh, NCAA's for rowing. Uh, Australia, Australia is a very strong rowing nation. This is NCAA's for women because uh, that's the only men's rowing is not an NCAA sport. Ohio State. The national champions in their first eight, the varsity eight, which is the marquee boat, three Australians, boom, no one else has that. Um, and then in Cal that came second, uh, there's a, a Australian in the in the first eight boat. Um, there was probably about 10, 10 Aussie girls in the entire uh, event, or maybe fifteen. Um, I didn't actually add them up, but there's uh, there was an awful lot of talent on show and. Uh, um, looking forward to the next 12 months because uh, this incoming class, there is a massive influx of Australians in terms of uh, a marked um, rise in incoming freshmen that will outdo the uh, outgoing seniors. So it's a bit of a um, bit of a surge at the moment uh, in terms of our uh, 
women rowers into the college scene and men for that matter? Well, we've always tried our best to kind of talk about the rowers. We haven't done it as much as we probably would have liked because there's just not as much interest as we, we probably would have about, liked. You don't but you love it. Well, I'm, a row, I'm from rowing background. I coached you. Well, you're a cox. I'm a coach, mate. All right, I'm trying yeah. to... Yeah, right. <laughs> You're not really a rower. <laughs> I'm not going to take the bait because we're on air, but off air, I'll destroy you. I will destroy you, Chris. Uh, but like the Australians did really well over there, just so we give them a bit of a name drop, not the listening, but if they do, thanks for listening. Uh, Ohio State, Steph Williams uh, from Tassie. Uh, 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 Davis, Davis, what's her, what's her first name? Oh, my God, I forgot her first name. She better not be listening. Sarah Davis. Uh, and uh, Rachel Engel, who's a Melbourne girl from Jam... I'm going to say... No, it's not Janazano. Caulfield uh, was in the Ohio State Varsity 8, and they went smoking fast um, for, for a boat that's uh, basically an under-23 international level boat. Um, and then Jacinta Edmonds was in the Cal Berkeley um, first eight boat. Uh, other Aussies that were there, Georgie Howe was it in the Princeton. Uh, Liza Flint uh, was at Har- in Harvard's boat. Uh, who else was there? Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. There was a, there was a few more. So it was it was great to see uh, um, see so, so many Aussies out in numbers. Um, got to catch up with uh, Georgie Howe on the banks, which was good. She used to um, row at MUBC when I was coaching there. Uh, so yeah, that was that was a pretty good event and uh, good to see some uh, college athletics up close. And the thing I love about you, Lockie, is because you're so you love me. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Because that's you're great. so committed to this show, and you're so committed to. Um, oh what, why are you saying, oh "My God"? I, I feel like I'm being set up. You're just committed to this show. You're committed <laughs> to, you know, making everyone aware of all the Aussies uh, doing great things in the states. That you brought uh, your own personal uh, voice recorder over there, and you got a whole bunch of interviews from these girls uh, for us. You brought them in today. So, uh, are we going to have a listen? Are you going to introduce uh, any of these chats that you had with these girls for this show? Or yeah, about that. Um, no, I didn't. Uh, I, was, it, I, I mean, couldn't be bothered. Uh, to be honest, I was like, oh, I could do work for Chris over there, but I'm like, no, nah, I'll just watch for, it. For Chris or for, for for the world? Ah, nah, just just for you, mate. We're, everyone needs to learn about these girls and the terrific work that they're doing. I thought that would be the perfect opportunity. That's why I actually let you go over in well, the first place. About- is because I thought you were going to give us some interviews with them well actually at the moment uh there's a group of the girls that are actually in princeton new jersey at the moment uh the australian uh rowing australia actually have a uh under 23 selection trials for uh, a national team based out of the u.s college athletes and so there's a group of uh australian uh women and australian men that are all college athletes and they'll um, be selected into an Australian rowing team for the under-23 Worlds. Maybe, just maybe, Chris, to uh, satisfy your uh, rowing enthusiasm, we should get them on the show, or at least one of them, uh, in the next couple of weeks in the lead-up to the under-23 World Championship. That's what we've got to do, mate. Yeah, yeah, you like that? Absolutely. Oh, cool, mate. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you're showing some enthusiasm towards the rowers. What else did I get up to? Uh, baseball. Uh, when saw Dodgers game, uh, Diamondbacks. So, LA, for example, has not had a washed-out game in Los Angeles for 15 years. And it hardly ever rains in LA. When I was there last October, I think it was the first time it rained in like 10 months, the day I was there. And then I rock up this time, and I turn up to the Dodgers game, and it starts raining. And like, 
not heavy, but like consistent. And so I lasted five innings. I'm like, stuff this. I went back to my hotel. So it didn't even get rained out. You just left? Yep. Oh my goodness. Mate, I'm a fair weather fan. All right. I'm not even a Dodgers fan. I just turned up. Um, and then uh, very nicely, friend of the show, Josh Spence, uh, was very kind to uh, hook me up with a ticket to the Padres game down in San Diego when I was down there on Friday. Uh, last Friday, uh, for the Dodgers game. Um, I lasted uh, two and a half innings before I had to... I, you did not. No, no, I, wait wait for it. I had to catch the train back to Los oh. Angeles. No, I, I lasted as long as I could. Otherwise, I was going to miss the train. So? So, that's it. It was good. Thanks, Josh. It was a free ticket. <laughs> two, you lasted two and a half innings. No, that's all I could last because I had to jump on the train at 9pm. I don't know what to to feel about that but I'm, I'm I'm glad that you had a good trip anyway and it's terrific that you're back Xavier Player did a terrific job in your absence but we do have you back and we got a big show as we always do by the way I just wanted to make reference to something that we had on the show last week uh, I will get into what's coming up on this show very shortly but last week Xavier and I were lucky enough to have a chat with Justin Charles former Footscray and Richmond player who also played in the minor leagues uh, over in the States in 1994 we were lucky enough to have a chat with him. It went for about 40 minutes. You can check out that chat uh, on scn.com.au. We're going to tweet it out again very, very shortly. It was, it was a tremendous chat. If you're a baseball fan, even if you're not, and you just want to hear about Justin Charles and his time as a minor league baseball, make sure you do check it out because it was a phenomenal interview. He gave us heaps, Justin, and it, it, it was fantastic. So make sure you do check it out. I'm going to get you to check it out as well because you haven't listened to it as of yet, but it's certainly worth doing. As for today's show... Lucky, we do have a big show as we always do. Darren Fullerton, do you know who Darren Fullerton is? I do because we interviewed him. We did, we have already. Yep, Darren Fullerton is the head coach of the Cronulla Little League Baseball Club. Why are we chatting to him? Do you think because Cronulla won the Australian Little League Baseball Championships and are heading to South Williamsport, which is the place where the Little League World Series is played? They're going to head down there in August and play representing Australia, which is terrific. So that was played last Tuesday. So we had a chat with Darren Fullerton a little earlier on. So we're going to be bringing you that chat very shortly. It was It's, it's a tremendous story. And we love seeing uh, these Australian kids uh, strut their stuff on the big stage. They're only 11, 12, 13 years old. So they're very, very young. But Little League is such a massive thing. It's broadcast all around the world plenty of different countries it's going to be on ESPN and ESPN2 here come August so make sure you do watch them and support our boys because it is phenomenal and I can't say boys because we did ask him it's a team full of boys we saw Mono Davis last year oh, uh, he said he had a, a couple team? of years ago but the team that they're taking over oh, okay. is just uh, the boys whereas we've, we've seen girls like Mono Davis dominate this team is, is strictly boys the one that we're taking over um, but we, 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 I, I, I can't wait and you can't wait to, to see how these guys go come August and, and, and see if they can uh, get a couple of wins. It's kind of like the, well, I, again, this is just on uh, from the limited knowledge I, I have on, on this sort of uh, aspect of sports is that uh, it's almost like the next frontier is that rather than go to a new level of hyper-professionalism, we're putting an increased focus on the next level down of juniors. So, <laughs> you know, it's going to be going... Pros, college, high school, and now we're even going down to like I think they would fall into the category of like middle school. Athletes. Yeah, but it's it's been a big thing. Little league's been a big thing. I think it's the 69th um, uh, little league World Series at, at uh, this year. So it's been gone for ages. It's been a big thing in American culture since the first one. So the, the, the crowds that they get are just phenomenal, and 
and the, the, the passion that all these towns have for, for their local team is phenomenal, and I hope that we can reciprocate that for Australia. And hopefully with these uh, kids, they can get some exposure into uh, US, uh, the sporting culture, and also maybe maybe get a bit of a, uh, on the front foot for college recruiting. Perfect. And with that perfect segue, which I perfectly planted, <laughs> one other thing I did want to mention from my recent trip uh, over to the US was uh, talking to our very dear friend of the show, Jackie Spence, from the American Australian Association, uh, some exciting news coming up in the coming weeks about the Triple uh, uh, A Flag Flyers Scholarship, uh, which uh, the sort of call for applications will be coming in the in the coming weeks. We've got some exciting news um, that will come out maybe next week, maybe the week after. Yeah, we'll see how we go with that. We'll tweet out all the details uh, when we confirm them on our uh, Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Flag Flyers. And on our Twitter page as well, at the Flag Flies. We're also going to be chatting to Ben Yemkadane from Believe the Hype. Obviously, Game game 5 of the uh, NBA Finals was held yesterday, so we're going to be chatting about that as well. Uh, Olgan Ulick from pickandroll.com.au will be joining us as well to uh, announce a couple of signings uh, from the women's side of things, which will be uh, terrific. And also, we've got some very exciting news that I want to uh, announce to the world at the end of the show, Lucky, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But first, let's get into rounding the bases. Joining us on the Flag Flies this morning is Benyam Kadane from Believe the Hype. Mate, welcome to the show. Thanks again for having me, guys. Now, there's been a couple of games since we spoke to you last week, and of course, the most recent game was played yesterday with the Golden State Warriors defeating the Cleveland Cavaliers 104-91 to take a 3-2 series lead and the potential to win the NBA Finals in a couple of days' time. I personally want to see it go seven games. I like both sides. We've got Australians on both sides, so it doesn't really matter who wins. But how have you seen the series so far? Delaver Dover is kind of... His magic's fading away a little bit, but he's, he's still a, a, quite an important player for the Cavs, Ben Yam. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just, uh, you know, the, the minutes started to definitely take their toll on, uh, on Delhi. He was pretty gassed uh, in Game 4, and then also in Game 5 as well. A lot has been asked of him on, uh, on both sides of the floor, so you can definitely tell he's feeling the uh, the jump in minutes. But, uh, you know, the, the Warriors now, they're, they're up they're up 3-2, and, and more importantly, they finally pulled together a signature Golden State Warriors uh, you know, fourth quarter game, and, and also just stylistically a Golden State Warriors game. And while they did that, they did it without Andrew Bogut, who uh, had a, a rare non-start, but not only did he not start, he didn't even get any game time. Yeah, well, I mean, he didn't start in Game 5, uh, and then, yeah, he played about three minutes in, uh, in Game 4 as well, and that, that's really been the catalyst for the Warriors, not necessarily Andrew Bogut not being in the lineup, but just the fact that when they play small, they've just been fantastic, and we saw that all through the regular season, we saw that through the playoffs, and they sort of struggled a little bit with that, uh, obviously against LeBron James earlier on in the, in the finals, but they look absolutely back to their best, Draymond Green, Iguodala, and Harrison Barnes, uh, you know, making up that very, very undersized front line, but... We're now sort of in that, that realm of positionless basketball. It looks like a pickup game out there today. The thing I liked about, uh, especially Game 4, when uh, Steve Kerr switched it around, or rather, I think it was the video assistant actually came up with the idea of uh, starting E instead of um, instead of Bogut, was that, uh, you know, uh, I think the quote from, from Bogut was, no gripes, you know, the team doesn't care who starts. I mean, Iguodala spent the previous 10 seasons as a starter, then came here and uh, didn't start... I think any games this year, and then obviously David Lee came on, former All Star, um, starting in Game Four, and you know the team's just got that, you know, win at whatever cost mentality as opposed to you know any egos, kind of like the Spurs last year, I suppose. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a real you know, refreshing kind of a team first ethos. But you, you see a lot of these guys out there that you know could be commanding you know, starting positions on, on on other teams, but they've all come here for that goal of you know doing whatever it takes to win a championship. And you know when you look at guys like David Lee, who was such a big part of this team uh, until this season, and he's been nothing but professional. And then you know he's always stayed ready. And we saw that uh, in the last couple of games as well. He's come in and done a great job. And uh, also Iguodala as well, having to step up uh, at this point of the season to sort of have have himself be the focal point right now. He's, he's definitely done a fantastic job, um, both scoring the ball and also uh, disrupting LeBron James as much as, uh, as, much as humanly possible. So we're back in uh, Cleveland for Game 6. LeBron James said after the game uh, yesterday that, um, you know, obviously he's very confident going into the game because of the fact that he is the best player in the world. And I don't really blame him for saying that because, you know, what he is and he probably uh, is allowed to say that. But how, how, how much chance do you give the Cavs um, in this game, because not a lot of people seem to be giving a whole lot of hope to actually get to that seventh game, but when you do have LeBron, you've got to give him some chance, don't you? Well, I'll tell you what, it was refreshing to actually hear it uh, come out of his mouth, because it's, it's one of those things that everyone else has been saying around him. Yeah, I don't mind it. No, he's never really addressed it or acknowledged it. He's always been very, uh, uh, I guess, flattering to other players, but you can tell he's, he's very much got his back against the wall, and after another 40-point game yesterday, uh, another final triple-double, he's, he's definitely confident in his ability to uh, you know, to, to will his team to victory, and especially uh, on their home floor. They've been fantastic uh, in Cleveland this season. So, you know, for him, I think going back and, and, and trying to wrestle back a little bit of momentum, because right now the Golden State Warriors are, are more importantly, playing like themselves, and Steph Curry's playing really well. So the roadblocks are starting to mount up for Cleveland. So if they can get this home game, and force a game seven. I think you know LeBron has every confidence that uh, that he can will his team you know, by himself because this is the you know, the fourth forty point game he's put up in the finals. So he's uh, he's definitely playing well. It's just that he needs the other guys to come to the table. I think he's had uh, obviously you mentioned Del- Delvadova's gas and um, obviously James is getting that way too. Is this game six pot- potentially uh, LeBron James's uh, MJ flu game? A bit of a defining <laughs> moment in terms of his legacy. Well, this is a this is a game that you know, will kind of define him to an extent because he'll either be able to force a game seven and, and you know have that sort of heroic label upon him, you know, winning in uh, in Cleveland. But you know, as it stands right now, this is a game that I, I, I think you, you can almost kind of expect that LeBron will deliver on his home floor. But I, I really think you have to look at guys like J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert and, and Timothy Mozgov as well, depending on uh, whether they choose to go back to a bigger lineup as well. It's going to be these guys that I think. Uh, that make the difference. LeBron has been pretty much a constant throughout these uh, these finals, so it's very much a case of can these other guys contribute and uh, and take a, a little bit of the, the offensive burden away from LeBron. Just before we let you go, we spoke about the fact that Dalvadova might not have put up as many points as he has been uh, in early games, but he's still got it into the uh, into the midst of things in the uh, rough and tumble of it all with uh, Draymond Green again. What happened there? Well, I think it was just one of those uh, situations where you, you kind of try, both trying to box each other out. They're both Sort of locked up each other's arms, and uh, and you know Delhi had established the front position, but Draymond Green is obviously such a, a bigger guy. The momentum was always going to be with him, and he you know, gave them pretty hard on uh, on Delhi there. But I don't think uh, neither was to blame nor to you know to credit for. It. I think they both just kind of got in each other's way. I don't think there was there was too much intent from either party there. Just a little bit of a, a wrangle under the hoop. He's not intimidated, Delhi. I saw him a couple of times throughout the series, either mouthing off at um, David Lee or Draymond Green. He loves mouthing off at everyone if he thinks they're doing wrong. He, he just he's, he's happy to stand up for himself. It's perfect. That's what you want to see. Absolutely. His actions definitely speak louder than his words, but he's, uh, he's, he's definitely not backing down from any challenge so far. 
Yeah, the Americans don't. I just came back from the US and I actually actually spent Game Four watching um, in Hooters. Actually watching the game and uh, had to keep the accent to a minimum because the Americans don't like Dally. They think he's a he's a cheap shot artist. But uh, you know, when there's one Australian against you know a whole Hooters bar full of Americans, I uh, I couldn't stand up for him too much. But uh, he doesn't necessarily have the right reputation amongst the Americans, even though we don't give a stuff what they think about him. Well, I think it's very much uh, if he's on your team, you love him. If he plays. On the opposition, you're going to hate him. Absolutely. There's a few guys like that in the league that, you know, will be absolute pests to play against. Guys like Patrick Beverly uh, and, and, and Delhi sort of entering that, that class of an irritant. Same with like a, a guy like Tony Allen as well. Guys you'd hate to play against, but, oh, you love them. The crowds love them, and they love those guys that, that sort of embody that, that blue-collar, hard-working uh, you know, kind of mentality, especially in Cleveland. They, they love them there. Beautiful, mate. Ben, yeah, we know you've uh, got to get going, mate, so we'll let you go. But uh, thanks for joining us again, and we'll uh, we'll be back next week to uh, probably wrap up the uh, the NBA Finals. Sounds great, guys. Thanks again for having us. Continuing on with Rounding the Bases this morning is Olgan Ulick from pickandroll.com.au. Olgan, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me once again. Now, we've got a couple of commits to announce, which is very exciting. A couple of girls who have signed on or, or committed to a couple of colleges. The first one... Jasmine Forsadilla out of uh, New South Wales is committed to St Mary's, so we got more girls going to St Mary's. So that that um, that pipeline just continues to to reward for us. It, it does. The St Mary's seems to have a whole bunch of people in Australia, and they seem to get a lot of our of our best talent. Uh, Jasmine was part of the uh, under seventeen team last year. They came fifth at the FIBA under seventeen World Championship, um, and yeah, that, that's a great pickup for for him. She's a really great shooter. So, what type of player is she, and, and and what role do you see her playing at St Mary's? Is she gonna, if she if she does end up uh, playing at St Mary's, is it gonna be one of these things where she actually gets a decent amount of game time? Well, that, that's the thing, because just because she's a spot up shooter, she can go in and, and um, be helpful right away. As I, I don't expect her playing too much um, as a freshman, but as as her career goes on, I, I think she can start to. Um, uh, she can handle the ball, she can get in the paint, and so hopefully her body develops and she can be a, a key player for them to move forward. A bit of a left-field question about all the Australians that, that go to St Mary's. One of the thoughts I had in terms of, I suppose, how Australia could uh, not exploit but further um, utilise the US college pathway is that because we have so many Australians seem to naturally gravitate towards uh, the St Mary's programs, men's and women's, and we have had an Australian coach, assistant coach with the men in Adam Caporn. Is there is there another Australian coach on the women's side in terms of to help, I suppose, ease that development back into our system? Oh, not not that not that I know of. Um, I know that a lot of the the people who have been a part of the men's program over there have come over, and they do run um, recruitment uh, agencies, those kind of things, and so that's why it naturally. There is that connection, but from from a high performance development, would, would it make any sense? I'm not sure if it, it really applies to basketball. Is that would it make any sense for Basketball Australia to to hopefully try and put one of their basketball development staff into maybe a St Mary's basketball um, coaching well, panel? Well, there, there is there are issues with the the NCAA rules in that um, it, it having having someone that is a representative of Basketball Australia as a as part of a coaching staff of a college, I don't think that's allowed. Oh. That's, something, that's something that is a big issue with Basketball USA, who I think Sean Miller from Arizona is uh, the head coach of the USA under-19 team, and he's not allowed to recruit while while he's a part of that program. Oh, there you go. Oh, well, and there's another signing uh, that's, that's been or a commitment 
Yeah, well, while we had uh, Jasmine commit to St. Mary's, Georgia Pinot, the sister of Dame Pinot, who's uh, one of the men's players for St. Mary's, has committed to Boston College. She didn't go to St. Mary's. No, she, she had interest from St. Mary's, and she also had interest from Hawaii, which is um, the alma mater of her dad, Brad Pinot. Um, and she turned them both down. She, she told me and her dad told me that she wanted to go her own way, and so she, she committed to Boston College, which is a really good pickup for them, and it's, it's a great school for her. That's very brave on her behalf, and I think she has to be applauded for, for that. Obviously, St. Mary's would have been, dare I say, the, the easy route. I don't know if easy is the, the right word, but it would have been a lot easier to transition into that sort of way of life because there are so many uh, other Australians in that program, both on the men's and women's side. But Boston College would be tremendous for her, and hopefully it, uh, you know, she gets enough, or she, she, she gets a, a tremendous opportunity over there to, to prove her worth. Well, yeah, with, with St. Mary's, they, they do get a lot of Australians because... Uh, a lot of the Aussies here do feel comfortable joining the program because of that. But then also, a lot of the kids here don't like going there because they like to kind of forge their own their own path. In terms of the actual development, though, would you rate the, especially on the women's side, you know, the fact that she'll be playing for Boston College and ACC school, you know, better competition for her than West Coast Conference? I'd say so. The, the, the only reason that um, people would um, kind of shy away from those kinds of schools because it's further away, just geographically. Being somewhere like St. Mary's, it's a lot closer to Australia. Travel is a lot easier. Um, and that does make a big difference. Ah, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I reckon people would use that excuse. Uh, it would not surprise me. But to be honest, Boston to LA is probably, what, a five-hour flight. San Fran, or for, once you get from St. Mary's into San Fran and then down to LA, that's probably like two, maybe three hours. Like, I find it probably negligible in terms of time time difference. But at the end of the day, I'd rather live in Boston than so live in Moraga. But, you know, <laughs> I think most people would. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, cool nonetheless. Um, one thing I did want to run past you is I saw on Twitter, uh, just I think it was yesterday, uh, Jack McVeigh, the Nebraska verbal commit, I think he was, when Chris Harriman was the assistant coach there, uh, retweeted, uh, this is again, reading way too much into things, retweeted <laughs> something about Nebraska basketball. There was maybe a little bit of a fear that because Chris Harriman had uh, defected or taken up the associate head coach role at New Mexico, that maybe that commitment wouldn't stick. Uh, it probably still looks likely that he's heading Nebraska's way? Uh, I haven't heard anything um, to the contrary. I would assume that he's, he's definitely headed to Nebraska. Um, because he he did do his visits, he he went through the whole recruiting process, and I don't think it was I don't think Chris Harriman was a huge reason for McVeigh committing that he was he was um, a bit of a factor, but not a huge reason. And if you look in Nebraska, the way that they're recruiting their kids now is that they're showing them the kind of facilities that they have in the future. They've put hundreds of millions of dollars into um, the into their facilities there, and they look amazing. And so, if I was a kid, I, I would always look at Nebraska. Yeah, that, that new basketball stadium that they've built um, is, is massive. It's almost uh, pro-team level in terms of uh, its, it's uh, you know, capacity and, and how, it, how it looks. And um, uh, The other one that I was just going to run by you is the other Nebraska, I think, verbal commit was the Juco player in Keanu Pinder. Yeah, he, he decommitted. Uh, I think two weeks ago he decommitted. I spoke to him. He said that... Um, it's, it's likely that he may head to New Mexico because that's where Chris Harriman's gone. And they also have um, their kind of Australian history there. Um, but he still, his, his options are still quite open. He, he told me that he really wanted to experience the whole recruiting process 
he didn't really get to experience it while he was in America. He recruited to Nebraska quite quickly, so he committed there. So, um, yeah, I, I expect a decision in the next couple of weeks with Keanu, and I, I would expect New Mexico to be at the top of that list. Olga, we can always read your stuff at pickandroll.com.au. Mate, thank you so much for joining us on the Flag Flies. Thank you very much. Chatting to Australians flying the flag in the US of A, this is the Flag Flyers. The Cronulla Little League Baseball Club has made history and became the first New South Wales team to win the Australian Little League Baseball Championships after beating Swan Hill in the final at Albert Park last Tuesday night. The win will see the team travel to South Williamsport in August for the Little League World Series. The manager, Darren Fullerton, joins us on the Flag Flies this morning. Darren, congratulations on the win, buddy. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, pretty excited. I'm excited uh, for everybody involved, actually. So, uh, you know, pretty unique as well for, for any team to go to the US um, and play Little League. And it's certainly a first for the Cronulla area and for New South Wales. Now, I was aware of, uh, you know, the Little League World Series, uh, I think, uh, through mostly through Mono Davis, I think her name was last year, the female pitcher. Yeah. I didn't yeah. actually know that there was this international aspect to it. How long has this sort of, I suppose, qualifier aspect um, being involved in the, in the competition. Well, it's it's actually uh, many many years old. It's, it's it's now the biggest international competition of its type um, in the world for kids. And wow. uh, as far as Australia is concerned, um, we we didn't. It was two thousand and eight, I believe, when we first started playing under the uh, what they call the Little League Charter. But at that point, and for some years after. You had to qualify through Asia Pacific, and and the, the team that won the nationals would then go to somewhere, you know, in Asia Pacific, and and uh, face some pretty tough competition. And then there'd be one team qualify through that region into Williamsport in the US. And it's only been three years, uh, 2013, last year, and this year that um, Australia's been granted direct entry uh, uh, purely by number of uh, junior players that we have in Italy. Obviously, America has a, a big and rich history of Little League, and they've been competing uh, in Little League for 70-odd years. That's not entirely the case for Australia, who you just mentioned is still relatively new to the whole caper. How, how much do you have to prep uh, these players into what they should expect when they go over, both mentally and, and, and physically? Because they're obviously going to be playing against opponents that, that they might not be used to playing against. And not only that, but a lot of the media attention that they would have never faced before. Oh, for sure, and and just the, I mean, the quality of, of the competition uh, will be out of this world, and, and I think for all of the Little League charter teams around uh, Australia, it's taken, I guess, direct entry into Williamsport for us to really prepare teams in a way that, uh, that at least give them the, the, the chance to compete. The team that went last year from Perth actually were the first team to win a uh, win a game. They, uh, they beat the Europe-Africa team uh, in the second game when they were over there. So it is, a, it is a big step up, and as you say, there's other things other than the baseball to contend with. And, um, and, but I think that's what's exciting for these kids. It's something that they would never experience again. And for many of these kids, you know, they, um, you know because of the concept, and, and this is, a, you know, I guess a district-level team that then wins its way through its state uh, competition, through its national competition. So there will be players on the team that this is the highest um, uh, level of baseball that they are able to play in. And so the experience off off the diamond, so to speak, is is where the richness is, and you know they're going to experience things that um, you know, they're a little bit like rock stars over there. They'll be signing autographs, uh, they'll be competing in um, in, in different uh, different sort of off the field events, and and just the gala atmosphere itself is just very very special. 
Yeah, Little League, obviously, uh, I suppose from uh, a far-off perspective, you're, I'm aware of, and I think a lot of people are aware of, just because it's it's sort of well-known as an American sort of junior pastime, um, just like peewee football and things like that. But in sure. terms of the actual specific demographic, what what is the actual age um, group that Little League falls under? And is this team, uh, is it all male? Is there a, 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 men, a, a boys and girls team, or how does it all work? No, it's all open, so... You know, in the in years gone by, I've in fact had um, young girls play in the teams that I've coached. Uh, in fact, one of the most successful teams I, I had uh, had two very very good uh, young female athlete, uh, athletes on the team. Um, but the way that the the what we call the age matrix works is that you you, you can't turn thirteen before the end of April. Um, so the majority of the kids are, are twelve, and some are eleven, um, and then. You know, there's the odd kid that before the national titles, which was played in June, uh, will have turned 13. So there's a spattering of, of kids that have already turned 13. But, you know, mostly you're talking about 11 and 12-year-olds. There was a number of uh, young girls that played at the nationals um, as well up in uh, up in Lismore. Um, and there was a young girl that uh, pitched in the uh, bronze medal game for the Hills team, which is a New South Wales team. They went against another New South Wales team, and she pitched, you know, the majority of that game, did a, did a fine job and almost got the got the win for her team. So, um, you know, it's not, it's certainly uh, gender non-specific, uh, but as you would appreciate, you get to 12 and 13 years of age and some of these kids, um, you know, they look like sort of 15, 16-year-olds and the boys tend to, tend to jump up a bit physically. Yeah, I, 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 I thought it was going to be, you know, that sort of age demographic, but at the same time, it's probably a little bit younger than what I actually thought. Uh, in terms of the, the, I suppose, the level of competition, being sort of like that 13-year-old demographic, who actually funds this? Do you guys need to fundraise, or are you sponsored to go over by Major League Baseball as, as part of their subsidiary program, or how does all the funding work? Well, Little League Baseball <laughs> is a big international organisation, and what they do is for all the teams that qualify, and you've got to remember you're talking about uh, 1.3 million kids will participate, and, and part of their fees will go towards Little League International. And only 200 kids will get to the Little League World Series each year. So, wow. So uh, it follows that um, it's uh, for all the players and for the coaches, thankfully, um, three coaches, and their, their tickets and accommodation and, and the experience is paid for. The big cost comes for, uh, for all the families because they're not going to want to miss out on seeing that type of thing happen uh, for, their, for their young child. And um, so they typically make a big... Uh, big holiday out of it and uh, so we'll, we will definitely be doing quite a bit of fundraising well, I was going to touch uh, on that I was going to touch on that because obviously being so young a lot of these kids might not have ever been overseas before let alone to the States or what have you do they have yeah. time to kind of just enjoy the uh, the scenery a little bit and, and kind of learn about the history of, of, of the States and uh, you know engulf themselves in the, in the culture of it or, or while they're over there is it strictly more of a baseball uh, type trip it is a baseball-type trip, but having said that, they uh, will spend three weeks there um, and uh, and not play that many games. So uh, I think we, we, we landed on the uh, the 12th or early hours in the morning on the 13th of August, and we, our first game is not until the 20th. And so whilst it will be very baseball-specific in terms of the experience, um, I would say there's going to be plenty of times for, for other things. It's it's not like they're, we're going to be tripping around the United States, though. We'll be... Uh, pretty much in Williamsport, Pennsylvania at the time. 
uh, and it's also strictly managed. You come in uh, as a team and you and you go home as a team, and um, and and uh, you know that's that's all part of it. Is there any opportunities to go see a major league baseball game? Will the kids be able to go down and, and watch uh, watch a couple of the major leaguers play? Yeah, look, I'm not sure to be honest. That's a that's a, a question that we're yet to have answered. But uh, look, my hope is yes. Um, there's, uh, you know, it'll take a little bit of time to get to a ballpark, given where we are there in Williamsport. But I'm hoping that that is, you know, that's a possibility because it'd be a shame for these kids to go all the way from from Sydney and not get to a, a big league game. It'll be an experience if they do get one. Yeah, we, we should tap into our connections, Christos, and see if we can get one of the Australians out of there. Have to, to don't we? Oh, surely. I mean, uh, this I, I'm, I'm still blown away by the fact that uh, out of 1.3 million people, 200 get to go, and some of them are Australian. It's a phenomenal uh, sort of uh, elite group to be part of. In terms of the um, how this will impact development in Australia, you mentioned that this is the third year that we've been granted direct access yeah. into into the Little League World Series. What what sort of impact is this going to have on our development and our um, retention rate or uh, participation growth for for junior baseball? Well, look, I've got to believe that it's going to going to help things quite um, markedly, but it, it will be a function of how well we leverage it as as a you know, as a baseball or set of baseball associations. And, and you know, speaking on behalf of the Cronulla Association and Baseball New South Wales. Um, you know, action. There's action to plenty in that in that uh, space. You know, I, 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 we see this as a, a chance to advertise the game on a stage that you you know w- you know with materials that you never get your hands on. Um, you know, these kids are going to have uh, ESPN coverage around the world. Um, they're going to be involved in things and, and images that that will be coming back to Australia. And we want to make sure that we uh, we use it to promote the game. What I will say though is, is there's no doubt that since uh, Australian teams have had direct entry um, into the Little League World Series. That the professionalism and the preparation of these teams going to state and national titles has definitely gone up, and, and you know with that comes you know the development of, of the of the players and the game uh, in the associations from which they come. So, I, you know, I've got to believe that this, as this, as the years roll on, this will become bigger and bigger as a draw card for the sport. Uh, and it's an important age group because, as you say, you want to not only do you want kids to start at you know seven, eight, nine uh, with this in mind, but you know the experiences that you get when you're twelve and thirteen, if they're, if they're great experiences, you've got a good chance of hanging on to them right through their um, their teenage years and beyond. You, you touched on the aspect of, I suppose, the increased professionalism of of uh, of these teams coming to states and to nationals, and also worldwide coverage. I think the most important thing to get right. Uh, if uh, if I, if I'm right, Darren, is the fact that what is your uniform? Is it going to look good? Are we going to get Nike? <laughs> Are we going to get Adidas on board? Do you wear pinstripes? Do you have a coloured socks? What's what's the, what's the get up? Look, it's it's all supplied. I guarantee it'll look fantastic. We'll be in um, Australian uniforms, so it'll be Australia emblazoned on uh, in green and gold. Oh, brilliant! Uh, white, white uniform, uh, made by Russell Athletic, I believe. But um, oh, look, the one thing that that is amazing about this is they should, they really do. Uh, you know, via the sponsors, they they shower the kids in um, in equipment. Uh, they get bats, they get gloves. Um, you know, you name it. Uh, baseball shoes. Now they you know they, wear, they have to wear that product. They're going to be on on uh, international TV promoting it. Um, yeah, but that's um, you know the way we look. I guarantee you, we'll look uh, just as good as we play. Oh, I, I think uh, you'll play better than what you look because obviously you're a, a top-notch outfit. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's great that the kids get to represent their country. I, th- I didn't know it was uh, 
How does that sit with you in terms of the fact that they're representing Australia and and not necessarily having that Cronulla name out there? Does that would you prefer it the other way around, or what's your view on that? Oh no, I, I think it's a privilege to be any time a kid gets to wear the green and gold and represent his country. And, and you know, let's face it, they've, they've been um, they've had to come through a very very rigorous process to get this far and be the best little league team in the country. So. You know, I'd say they deserve it. Um, it's all based on that concept. So we'll we'll play a team first round, for instance, uh, when we get there on August twenty, um, which at the moment we know is Latin America. Now that could be that could that that'll be the Cronulla of some part of of um, you know Latin or Central America, and um, could be anywhere. Could be Puerto Rico. Could be uh, you know could be the Dominican Republic, from, you know, from which this this district level team comes. So. Um, so it has an international flavour uh, because of that. And the, the American team, same deal. You know, there's eight eight regions in the US, and you know there'll be a there'll be a team that might be you know might be called something like Cronulla, but they'll they'll represent their region, and it might be Midwest um, that they represent uh, or New England that they represent. So um, you know, it's pretty special to be able to do that, and uh, we're certainly our kids would be super proud to have the green and gold on. I can tell you that. Just before we let you go, Darren, what are some of the goals that uh, you as a club have put on yourselves uh, for the uh, the Little League World Series? Is there anything specifically that you wanted to get out uh, of the uh, of the championship? Oh, look, we, we we do set very clear goals. Um, and whilst we haven't sat down yet, um, we've given the kids a little bit of break coming back from Lismore. The, the, the first thing we will set ourselves, um, as far as the competition is concerned, is, is to win a game. Um, that's not going to be easy, but um, but that'll be our first goal. And once we achieve that, we want to be the first Australian team in a very short history to win two games. Um, and if you win two games, that extends your competition too, so it gets them another game on a on a, on a big stadium. You know, outside of that, we we just want these kids to have the experience of a lifetime, and, and you know that's not going to be too difficult. And uh, that that goal, I think, will uh, achieve uh, pretty effortlessly. Darren, we're going to be rooting for you to, to win two plus games, three, four, however many possible, mate. We're going to be yeah. watching on ESPN with uh, hopefully a whole bunch of people, not just in Australia, but all around the world. Best of luck for it. Congratulations, and uh, we'll uh, be seeing you boys in August. Thanks, boys, and appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Chatting to Australians flying the flag in the US of A, this is the Flag Flyers. Now, Lockie, we've got some uh, very, very special news to uh, announce on the show this morning. You can I've, sound less enthusiastic, Chris. No, I'm just starting off, uh, you know, down here, and then I'm going to go up there, right, by the, by the time that I, uh, I finish explaining to you what's going on. Okay. Got some very exciting news. It's been in the pipes for a long time. Pipeline? Pipeline for a long, <laughs> long time. Don't laugh. Sorry. Because you're, you're demeaning what uh, I'm going to say. We are starting up a revolution here at, uh, at SCN America, and the Flag Flies is, of course, part of that. The Flag Flies is a very successful podcast, but we thought, you know what? We want to bring more to the table. We want to provide SCN America listeners and, and fans a better experience. We want, to, we want to bring them more than what we've been able to give them. So we thought, you know what? We want to start up an NFL podcast. So we did. And we're announcing that this is starting this week on Wednesday and we have on the line with us James Arthur, who's the co-host of the SEN NFL podcast. James, welcome to the Flag Flyers. Thanks, guys. It's great. It's great to be on with you both. 
Now, we are very, very excited about this, James. You, myself, and Richie Garraway, who are involved in the show, we, uh, we got together last week. We, uh, we did a, a run-through on how the show's going to sound. It sounded fantastic. We were all happy, and we all gave it the tick. Obviously, it's still the off-season at the moment, so not a whole, whole bunch to, uh, to talk about. But there's always going to be news. There's always going to be a whole bunch of different stuff to talk about, whether it's going to be previews or what have you. But it's going to be a, a very fun show to do, and, and we can't wait to do it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we're all about the fun side of the NFL. I mean, which we've been fans for a long time, and we just really enjoy as much as we enjoy the game. We uh, we enjoyed the funny things that happen in the NFL and the stupid things the guys do. And you now there's plenty of ways you can get your NFL news and and your in-depth knowledge, which we think we have as well. But we're just all about the fun of it, and that's what it's going to be all about, having a bit of fun and, and talking football, basically. Now, for full disclosure of uh, potential fans listening to the show, who do you go for, James? I am, fortunately, after last season, a Dallas Cowboys fan. <laughs> Sack him, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what Lockie's about... a Vikings fan, so you can kind of feel sorry for him a little bit there. Yeah. What about Richie? Who does he go for? Uh, Richie, unfortunately, is a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Oh. It could change around a couple of years with famous Jameis on board. Well, that's the way the NFL goes. That's why they have a draft system, so things just get better, except for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, I mean, how good was Josh McCown last season? How, how could James <laughs> Winston possibly uh, one-up him? Oh, God. I mean, seriously, Chris. I mean, at the very least, a cowboy and a buck. Oh, I'm glad I'm not involved in this. Now, the thing with this podcast is that we're not just going to talk about all the Aussies playing in the NFL, because let's be honest, there's not a whole bunch. This is going to be a generic, a general uh, NFL podcast. We're going to be chatting about everything. It's going to uh, be uh, uploaded to the SEN America website each week, every Wednesday. It's going to be fantastic. You guys are going to be doing a tremendous job. We're going to be starting this week, like I said. It's going to be a whole bunch of fun, man. How, how, how? What, what are we? What are we looking at for this week? What are, what are we going to start off with doing this week? What's What's the first show going to encompass? Well, basically, it's going to start off with a, a little bit of NFL news and a bit of a chat about hard knocks that's starting, and that's most exciting from what's going on at the moment. Um, then we'll do a little bit of some a review of the uh, NFC South. We'll give our take on every team, their depth chart, and we're bringing in a game this week called Would You Rather, which is a bit of a fun game between me and Richie where we both make statements and you get to pick which one you would rather have. Um, obviously, neither of us know what we're going to say, so it's kind of puts us on the spot sometimes and hopefully it comes out pretty funny. So how you, you're involved with uh, Gridiron Victoria. Can you just explain to uh, to our listeners how you're involved in, in Gridiron in the uh, in the local levels? Yeah, so I play um, I play Gridiron for Croydon Rangers. I'm going into my ninth year. Uh, Richie also, he's the head coach of the team and plays. I met Richie about nine years ago when I started playing. Um, basically, yeah, I, I, I play centre, which is on the offensive line. Um, and yeah, we, we, I, I just I love the game. I've loved it for a long time, and just the the I guess people don't understand that it's as much of a chess game as it is a physical battle. And you know that's just how me and Richie fell in love with the game from playing it. And obviously, we're huge fans of the NFL. James, thank you so much for joining us on the Flag Flies. It was a pleasure to be able to announce officially that the SEN NFL podcast is now official. It will be starting this Wednesday. It will be uploaded to the SEN website, sen.com.au. We're going to be starting up uh, or relaunching our SEN America page as well, which is very exciting. All the details will be on the SEN America Twitter page, which will start up as, again as well, which is just at SEN America. So, mate, thank you for jumping on, and we look forward to hearing you and Richie on Wednesday. 
Beautiful, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. James Arthur there, co-host of the new and very exciting SEN NFL podcast, which will air for the first time or will be dropped for the first time this Wednesday on SEN.com.au. Make sure you hit up the SEN America Twitter account at SEN America to make sure that you know where to find it if you can't find it when you look for it. That just about brings us to the end of the show today. Chris Tyler and Lockie Miller back in their chair. But we did fail to mention earlier on in the show something that I wanted to bring up, Lockie, and that's the fact that Beck Allen, who we've had on the show before, who signed on at New York Liberty in the WNBA, uh, when did she sign on? At the start of the year? Uh, I think it was around March. In March. She has suffered the devastating injury and is now out for the remainder of the season. Only The season is only a couple of, uh, of games old. Already she is done, which is horrible news for Beck. Yeah, it was a bit of a shame. Uh, Beck was kind enough when I was in New York to uh, give myself and, uh, and and Jackie, the the lady that's responsible for the the uh, scholarship that we run, um, two tickets to the opening game, the New York Liberty and uh, Atlanta Dream at Madison Square Garden. Great seats. Um, Beck was very generous to, to hook those up for us. It was great to see her. Um, she got great minutes and actually played uh, pretty well, and she was pretty happy with her performance, um, speaking to her afterwards. A little birdie told me, and this wasn't Beck, um, a little birdie told me that Beck actually got injured before the season. But it can't be. It will, surely, is it... No, but uh, I think she uh, it, it just... Uh, it inflamed or something Yeah, it like got that. aggravated. In right. terms of she didn't, I, th- I think it was, um, it's just, it's gone, it's gone worse, which I don't think they initially thought. And so now she's decided to come back, which is, uh, which is a shame. And, uh, you know, obviously someone that uh, started, not started, sorry, uh, made her debut for the Opals last, last year. Um, you know, it was obviously seen by Brendan Joyce as uh, a promising uh, player. And now she misses, uh, you know, an entire season in the WNBA in the lead up to, to, uh, to Rio. Um, it's a bit of a setback, but uh, Beck's incredibly resilient and has overcome plenty of injuries before. So we wish her all the best, and uh, I'm sure that she'll be back up and, uh, and going in no time. And, uh, uh, yeah, screw the NBA, WNBA, mate. She'll be back in the WNBL tearing up for... I think she's going to... She's the new Gold Coast franchise. She can do both. Yeah, I know, but uh, with the with the Olympics next year, I think that uh, I don't think she'll be able to play there for a couple of years just because oh, right. of the preparation. But uh, all the best to Beck Allen, and hope that knee heals up soon. Ditto. That brings us to the end of the show today. Chris Tyler and Lockie Miller. You can find us on Twitter at the Flagflies. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Flagflies. You can find us on uh, our SEN website as well, scn.com.au. That's where we uh, upload all our podcasts. And you can also find us on uh, iTunes as well. If you just search for the Flag Files on iTunes, you can find us there. Until next week, everyone, sweet dreams. You're getting ready to go out. You want to get in the mood. There's a playlist for that. You move to the beat. You trip over the dog. You're not dancing anymore. You open the Medibank app and find a physio. We live in an on-demand world. And now your health insurance comes on demand too. Download the new Medibank app today.